continue back with uh, Colossians chapter 3. Uh, honestly, um, Colossians is one of the books that you don't want to race through, and I gauge, every time I, I work on stuff, it just is um, very convicting. And I don't want to, I, I, I may not even get half, if not a third, of what I want to do tonight. What I thought was going to be something that we could do in about 30 minutes is not going to happen. But there are things that you need to do. If you read it there in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, it says, If ye then be risen with Christ. Talking to a Christian. Talking to somebody who's been born again. You've got a new life. If you're risen with Christ, then he begins to list all the things you should do. Like you seek seek those things which are above. Verse 2, set your affection on things above. Um, Believe that you're dead in verse 3. Verse 5, he says, you need to mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. And he lists five very key things that have to be declared to be dead in your life. You may have lived in them. You may have been a fornicator. You may have been um, uh, somebody that was just unclean. And when we talk about unclean, we're not talking about hasn't had a bath. What are we talking about when it says unclean? Thoughts, actions, desires. We were filthy. I don't know how any... Uh, couples, when it comes to the Western world, when a guy meets girl and they think they're in love, I don't know how they trust each other because their thoughts, their lives, their actions are like animals. Before you're born again, you had no, since you were, since you were nine years old, you never worried about what you thought about or what you looked at. Remember that? Before you got saved, you didn't care what you listened to and who you hang hung with. But since then, Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, the way we live, especially in the Western world, we live having to have something else in order for us to be happy, which is only idolatry, for which things the, the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, into which ye also walked in some time when ye lived to them. But now ye also need to put off, and he says, those are the things, now that you're saved, you ought to be very uncomfortable with. If a Christian's not uncomfortable with stuff on television... Uh, where people are undressing, where people are talking, taking the name of the Lord in vain, when people are just vile on television, if a, a person who claims to be a Christian, if they're not uncomfortable with that, they have to check their own salvation, honestly. So you, there are things that we are uncomfortable with, but then there are sins we are comfortable with. And he lists those sins here, there in verse 8, he says, but now you also, you need to put off these. Need to put off anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy and filthy communication out of your mouth. No more lying there. So let me just race through here. We talked about mortifying. Mortifying is a wonderful Bible word. It means to render lifeless, to allow to die, to deny sinful desires from having any authority over your life. Now that you're saved, I've said it this way. And we're not going to go over it, but to simply believe something is dead now. And walk away from it being free from it. You need, you need, just like you believe Jesus died and rose again, just like you believe with all your heart that he uh, uh, will answer and will save any sinner who calls on him, you need to believe that I'm dead now. That that sin of, of covetousness, of unhappiness, of depression, because you don't have what somebody else has, that is dead, and that you can walk away from it. You are free from it. If any man be in Christ, he is, not will be, but is a new creature. And that if the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you are what? Free indeed. All right? So a Christian, if you're going to mortify something, now you're not killing it. You're not stabbing it. You're declaring it already dead. You're just finally agreeing with God, aren't you? Amen? So, 
Now, our earthly nature, what we're like without being trying, we're fornicators. That means any kind of sex outside of marriage. Any kind of sex outside of marriage. Virtual sex and physical. Uncleanness, we said, is unclean, unclean thoughts, filthy desires, in order of affection is loving sinful things. Uh, most people love things. They don't love people. Uh, evil concupiscence, wonderful words that simply mean lust. Covetousness is an intense demand for something to make you happy. And you know, the problem is... Uh, uh, well, I'll just rush off. Uh, these are the priority to be free from. And a lot of Christians, even though they are free from those things, they still live in them. And it is it is awful. It is wicked. It is vile. Because the devil's lied to you saying that you cannot be free when Jesus already said you are. So, uh, the sins that we're comfortable with are uh, anger and wrath. Now, somebody, what's the difference between anger and wrath? Anger is how you feel. Wrath is what you do. Okay. You can use wrathful words. You can use wrath as you fulfilling anger, carrying anger out to his logical conclusion. Malice is where you're just mean. That's where you're just, you're thinking about how to get even. Uh, blasphemy is where you demean God in, in the eyes of someone who's watching this. And you, and you can demean God without actually saying God is, is evil. Or you can, uh, just, just your whole demeanor can make it so people go, well, that's not a Christian. And you're blaspheming God. And then we talk about filthy communication out of your mouth. Uh, there are too many Christians who are comfortable with saying things that ought not to be said by a Christian. There are people who uh, have never gotten their mouth saved yet. <laughs> their heart may be saved, but their mouth is still in hell. Their mouth is still in the sewer. And so when you get in the car and somebody cuts in front of you, a four-letter word comes out of your mouth. These things ought not to be so, amen? Filthy communication is not supposed to... We're comfortable with it. So... Filthy communication out of your mouth and all lying. So those are sins that we get comfortable with. So how on earth can you can you conquer the sins like anger, wrath, malice, and uh, so on and so forth? Well, we're going to take just a look at anger tonight and get just started on this thing. And let's pray. Father, thank you for a day. A day dedicated to you where we can, we can stop everything else and say, Lord, you're first. And you're all that we need to focus on. So tonight, Lord, I, I thank you we get to finish up in your word and together as Christians. Please bless your people tonight. Give us a hunger for victory. Give us a desire to do it your way. Especially over anger. And I think if we could really see anger is conquerable, we could actually conquer anything. The same spirit that brought up Jesus from the grave. What a power has been given to us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. <clears throat> so we're just going to look at anger. There are five things that every Christian's got to do with anger. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. Hold in your place. Well, you can come back to this in a moment. Go back to the left. Find Ephesians chapter 6 in verse 12. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. There are five things that you need to do with anger. Now, uh, if I already ask you what makes you angry, I bet you could tell me. Say, um, somebody giving you a cold cup of coffee and make you angry. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you know, somebody, somebody leaving the light on in the car. That'll make somebody mad. Say, Man, now the car won't start. You, you left the light on in the car. You left the lights on. Uh, so they left on all night long. You get angry. You, if you, if you could see, 
all the reasons why you get angry. I mean, it'll make you an embarrassment. You'd be like, oh, I never realized how consistently I am angry. And the problem is, we feel justified at just about every one of them, amen? Don't look at me like I'm an owl. you got to take a step back and go, all right, now he's talking about my sin. <laughs> and it's mine, too. So Ephesians chapter 6, when the Bible says this, I want you to see it in a bigger fashion than you normally do. Look at Ephesians 6, 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So who are you not supposed to be fighting? People. And yet who do you normally fight? People. <laughs> so we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against, but against principalities. Now, principalities are high up authorities, spiritual authorities, but he uses another word here. He said, against what? All right. How many of you ever felt the power of anger? I mean, rush through you like adrenaline, rush through you like a drug, where you felt like you could kill. That's a power. And when you wrestle anger, you're wrestling a power. And the Bible says that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to wrestle that thing. So <clears throat> let's talk about the five things you need to wrestle with. First of all, uh, uh, well, the five ways that you wrestle with anger, and you need to dread it. All Ds. I'm going to follow your lead here tonight. You were on S's and C's. I took a D. You need to dread anger. Secondly, you need to dethrone it. Thirdly, you need to disrobe it. The Bible there uses a phrase uh, all throughout um, Ephesians and in Colossians. It says, put off, put off, disrobe it, drain it, and then delight in something more powerful. You can't just, you can't just take it off and then walk on way as if you have no emotions. You've got to have emotions. You were designed to have emotions. You're going to have to have new emotions. You're going to have to have something to replace it that's better. So... Let's start here with just dreading the effect of anger. And anger has, is, listen, let me say this. <clears throat> Can anybody be free of anger where they never get angry? No. It is wired into us, you're going to get angry. But when you get anger, as soon as anger shows up, you need to treat it like a time bomb that's ticking and it will go off. And it will not only hurt you, but it'll hurt everyone around you. Are you with me? And the moment that you see yourself getting angry, boy, you need to go, I gotta, I got, I gotta dread the effect of my anger. We normally delight in the effect of my anger. Oh, I really showed them. <laughs> right? Oh, I got her back. Well, you need to step back and go, you didn't do anything good. And you need to dread, you need to be terrified of the effect of anger. Now, <clears throat> go to Galatians chapter 5. Go back a few pages from Ephesians. Galatians chapter 5. We're going to read these things. We're going to th through these things real fast. I want you to dread. I want you to be afraid of anger because it is a work of your flesh 99.99999% of the time. Need a Galatians two, uh, 520, please. <clears throat> oh, start in verse 19. All right, is adultery a good thing? Fornication any good? Uncleanness any good? Lasciviousness any good? Idolatry? Witchcraft? Hatred? Uh-oh. Hatred is in there. And it goes on. Variance. 
experiences where you treat different people different ways and you treat circumstances. You're not consistent. Next one, emulations. And then where's the next one? All right, these are works of the flesh. These are things I normally do without even thinking. And yet the Bible warns me about letting my flesh be in charge of my life. If I let my flesh be in charge, I'm going to end up like an animal. I'm going to end up hurting somebody. So I need to fear what anger is, is, is as an outgrowth of my flesh. If I walk in the flesh, guess what I reap? I reap not only corruption, but I will reap death. I will reap the results of all of those things. So what am I supposed to walk in? The Spirit. Now, there are a lot of people who say, well, I was righteously angry. <laughs> you better be careful, because that's very, very rare, because anger is almost all the time a work of the flesh. Secondly, it ends in disaster 99.999998% of the time. Uh, we don't have time, but Simeon and Levi were two sons of a guy named Jacob. Uh, Jacob was a grandson of faithful Abraham, and Jacob's got... Is his 12 sons and his daughter, and they're uh, living in the promised land. And everything's going honky-dory. But one night, um, uh, their sister, Dinah, um, uh, goes out and sneaks out and, and basically is raped by one of the guys in a village nearby. Well, Simeon and Levi, I'm telling you what, they're, they're brothers. And they're like, mm. And they go into the town, and they slaughter everything kill everybody. And in Genesis chapter 49, in Genesis, I wish I could go there, but in Genesis chapter 49, Jacob is weeping and crying. He says, the wrath and the anger of Simeon and Levi was cruel. And they will not get the blessing because of that anger. The anger that they had, that they righteously had to, to, to pay back those, those wicked Canaanites for what they did to their sister was not right. And God's blessing that could have passed on them, passed on to another son, ended up with Judah. And because of anger, how many of you remember Cain? Cain got jealous of his brother, God honoring uh, Abel. And what did Cain do? Cain took out that anger that he had towards God, and he took it out on his brother and murdered him. Uh, it ends in disaster most of the time. It makes you unlovable. Let's go to Proverbs 21, 19. Um, uh, Andrew, Proverbs 21, 19. Somebody turned that heat on, which I was glad, but now some of you are going to sleep, which I'm not glad. So um, kick yourself if you have to. Uh, Proverbs 21, 19. I will not go all the way through, but I'll do my best. Proverbs 21, 19. Uh, Andrew, listen, when you're angry, you are unlovable. Think about that for next time you're angry. Nobody just wants to go and hug you when you are fuming and angry and wanting to give out. Go ahead, Andrew. My wife, <laughs> my wife, she's just as pretty as Belle. I mean, she's just gorgeous until she's angry. <laughs> Listen, that thing says, it tells it right there. Just just head for the hills when you got an angry one. It's the truth for a man, too. Go to Proverbs chapter 22, verse 24. It's kind of cute. Andrew reads about the woman. Here's Jennifer, 22, 24. <laughs> Wow. All right. So, angry woman, angry man. I mean, whew, you can't love them. And that is a, listen, somebody, you say, well, I'm just angry. 
Yeah, but it's hard to love an angry person. And it is wrong that you expect everybody can love you when you're angry. It is wrong for us to have this idea that my anger is good. It is not. It's very hard to love an angry woman. As a matter of fact, I think it just makes you unlovable. Fourth point, it stirs up more anger in others. Proverbs 15.1. Francis, Proverbs 15.1. Proverbs deals with about 16 different subjects. Huge. One of them is money. Another one is women. (laughs) Another one is is, uh, uh, attitudes like anger. Um, Now, this is a big thing in Proverbs. So look at Proverbs 15.1. All right, so if I if I say something that's grievous or hurtful to you, what does it make in you? More strife. I'm upset at you. I just want to tell you. What does that do? It only creates more strife. Let's go to Colossians 3.21. Um, uh, Rodell. Okay, so my anger towards my children can have an adverse effect on them. All right? Now, some people say no man should ever be angry, and I think that's stupid. Uh, I've told my son, I'm giving an illustration, my son, you you play up here by the house, and he starts kicking the ball out towards the, uh, the, the street or whatever, or he heads out and he starts playing in the street. I'm not gonna go, oh, sweetheart, Honey, as my wife's terms for her, maybe. But anyway, oh, I love you. Listen, I gotta, I gotta love you back in. No, I'm gonna yell, get out of the street! Amen? Say, well, he's an angry man. No, I'm caring about my son before he gets run over. Amen? So, but the point is this. Be careful about how, if that's how you always talk to your son, you're gonna discourage him, aren't you? Be afraid. Be afraid of the effect that anger will have. Um, it usually, Fills your life with more sins. Proverbs 29.22, Adelina. Proverbs 29.22. Okay. A furious man, an angry man, can stir up strife, which is arguments, and abounds... He's stirring up strife. Why? What's wrong in him when he's an angry? Now, there's there's a difference between an. Can, are you listening? There's a difference between an angry man, all right, and a man who gets angry. Anybody want to tell me what the difference is? One is a real man who can raise his voice and get people's attention, and he's upset for a moment. And it's over with. An angry man is somebody who lives and is constantly angry. You see what I'm saying? And anger rests in him. So an angry man who has anger in his bosom, he's just as angry. He has big problems, doesn't he? He abounds in transgressions. He's got more than just a problem with anger. Are you with me? All right. So usually when you let anger reside in you and it just festers, it attracts more sin. So look at another one. <clears throat> it opens the door to satanic dominion. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, Brother Darren. Ephesians <clears throat> 4, 26 and 27. All right, so the neither there is a continuation. So I should not, 
If I get angry, what's the first thing I need to do? Stop it. (laughs) Because if I let it go on very long, what am I going to end up doing? I will sin. Well, no, it actually goes further. It says, be angry, but sin not. So as soon as I get angry, get it over with. And as soon as I let it go on, what am I giving place to? I'm opening the door and saying, get in here and help me take care of this woman. (laughs) That's what anger does. It opens to satanic dominion in your mind, in your heart, in your home. And I tell you what, isn't everybody angry today? It is almost unstoppable. We need need a reformation. We need a great awakening because nothing is going to turn around the anger of people without people being born again. It is not, it is now an unnatural amount of anger. When a woman is, 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 when, when somebody's holding a sign that says love both and a woman comes up and tears that card up and pits and says, that's an unnatural anger, folks. At somebody saying, save the baby. And when somebody is offended at that and is furious at it, you go, that's an anger that is, you're not going to reason with that woman. Are you with me? So, there's a dominion there. There's a demonic dominion of that. Uh, it will result in severe chastening of God. You need to fear what anger does. Proverbs 19, 19, Miss Sherry. Right, God fixes it. So if you have, have anger that becomes wrath, and that's how you live, you will suffer punishment. All right, God will get you. It's called chastisement for the Christian. But somebody comes and bails him out. Somebody gets them out of trouble. God fixes it that your anger has trapped you. That you will constantly have to be bailed out. You will constantly be have to be helped because of anger. We think we think well drunkenness. We think of of uh, lying. No anger has God's, um, uh, it, it upsets God, and God says, you will be punished. So it will result, and I believe, in severe chastening by God. Uh, it has poisoned, and I'm going to close stuff with this. Anger has poisoned most marriages, most relationships. It has poisoned most churches and nations. Anger. You know, when Adolf Hitler got up He's an Austrian, and yet he got up, and he was elected chancellor of Germany. He would stand up, and he would he would draw on the anger of the German people against the Treaty of Versailles, and how the French had treated Germany after World War One, and how the English had taken advantage of Germany. And he pointed at the world around, and he hinted at the Zionists and at the Jews, that they were under it all and behind it all. And he pointed and he made the people angry at the world. Angry enough to give 30% of their gross income in taxes to him. It had never been heard of. He was taking in the money to build an army to get them all back. And the people went, Shikoyle, yes, kill them all. (laughs) What did he feed them on? Anger. We need to be afraid of anger. Amen? 
We need to dread the effect of anger because it poisons marriages. It happens. Don't you dare look at me and say, Pastor, have you conquered? I have not conquered this thing. We will always battle anger for the rest of our lives. That's why we wrestle, not against flesh and blood, but against anger that wells up in us. And as soon as it comes up, we tear it down. That's how we do it. Now, um, I'm not saying there's never a time to be angry, but 99, and I, always, I didn't have room to put it all in there, 99.9999999% of the time, we are wrong when we are angry. Now, some of you are going, oh, no, 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 I'm, I've been right. No, don't slap yourself and stop justifying your anger. You may have had a need to be angry for a moment, but not to stay angry. So until you fear the effect of your anger, you're never going to do anything about it. We need to get rid of anger as soon as it pops up in our life. And as soon as you find yourself angry and you say an angry word or you do an angry thing, you need to immediately confess it, forsake it, and put it away because it is a ticking time bomb that will kill. Secondly, we'll just deal with this second point and I'll be done. John chapter 3, verse 30. <clears throat> John 3, 30. John 3, 30. So the first thing you need to do is dread the effect of anger. Second, you need to dethrone the priority of me. I, I, you know, I'm not like one of those churches where I make you repeat after me. Say this, dethrone the priority of me. But I do want you to put you in there. John 3.30. John the Baptist, the greatest man who ever lived, born of women. Second to Jesus Christ as a human being, John the Baptist with the greatest ministry ever imaginable, he turned an entire nation to look for the Messiah. He prepared them so that when Jesus came, they flocked to him. And this is what he said. He said, we must increase, right? We're just going to get more and more popular. We're going to be the dynamic duo. Is that what John the Baptist said? He said, he's got to increase, which means i got to get off the throne now. I've had my day. I've had attention. I've had the crowds. I've had the success. I give it to him now. And that is hard for anybody to do. You'll never, if you've ever had any success making money, if you've ever had any success being popular, if you've ever had any success with people looking to you for wisdom and counsel, it is very hard to step down and go, you go talk to them now. So if you're ever going to defeat anger, you're going to have to get off the throne because we take ourselves too seriously. Here are the facts. Number one, I am too important to me. (laughs) I am. I love me. (laughs) But I need to step down. You know, the last hundred years, all the focus of media, all the focus of food, All the focus of advertising, all the focus of clothes, designs, and fashions, all the focus of politics has been, what do you want? How do you want your burger? What color car? Remember what what Henry Ford said when he brought out the Model A, I think it was? And he said, you can have any color you want as long as it's black. And, you know, we we moved on from there. I mean, it has to be, it has to be all of this stuff. And and so we are so prone. As a matter of fact, I forgot to brought it up. But I just typed in, I typed in a phrase, it's all about me, in double quotes in Google. And I'm telling you, 
I thought I was going to get some ads and some different... You know what they were? It was children's primary school lesson plans of giving to children. It's all about, tell me all the things that you want in life. Tell me the things that make you happy. And it's color in. This is for children who are seven and eight years old and they've learned to write and they've learned to color and they see a, a lesson program. It's all about me. My heart sank. And I just, I just realized, folks, until you step off of that throne and you say, it's not about me. Because why do I get angry? Because it's about me. They robbed me. They hurt me. They didn't respect me. They took advantage of me. They didn't listen to me. Me, 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 me. And when I'm like that, I'm wrong. So if I'm going to, if I, when, when Paul says there in Colossians, says putting off anger, you and I go, ah, it must be easy. No, it's not. Because the facts are, oh, go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. Hurry up. <laughs> 2 Timothy chapter 3. This know also. 2 Timothy 3. This know also that in the last days, 2018, perilous times shall come. Verse 1. <clears throat> Look at all the knees in 2 Timothy chapter 3. <clears throat> this know also in the last days, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their knees, <laughs> themselves, covetous for things for themselves, boasters about themselves, proud about themselves, blasphemers against any God that's above themselves, disobedient to parents. That's that's when you, you're disobeying because any authority above them is not going to be obeyed. Unthankful? You know what that, you know what we call somebody who's ungrateful? A brat. Because they think, well, it wasn't what I wanted. You ought to be thankful you're not dead. Unholy? in their personal lives, without natural affection. It means they're unnaturally in love with themselves to the exclusion of others. Uh, truce breakers, they only make agreements so long as it doesn't cost them. You know, if you'll break a, if you'll break a covenant, if you'll break a truce, on the basis that, well, well, you know, um, um, uh, I don't like you anymore, or whatever, you're only thinking of yourself. False accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, they hate anybody that's not like themselves. Traitors, they turn on people in the slightest problem. Heady, which means reckless and impulsive. Look at any nine-year-old. High-minded, puffed up, living in the clouds, living in another world. Lovers of pleasures. And I, I'll give you one guess, whose pleasure? They love, yeah. You see all the me's in there? That's our generation. It's been that way for the last, I don't know how many decades. From such, it says down there in verse 5 at the end, Run away. So anger makes me unlike Jesus of Nazareth. Would you agree with that? Oh, Jesus went into the temple. and Hey, okay. I got a problem trying to figure out where that all fits. I just tell you this. Acts 2 says this. You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know. How did everybody know Jesus? They knew him as the man who came from Nazareth and did good things. 
Acts 10.38, how, this is again Peter witnessing to Cornelius, said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. So when people thought of Jesus, did they think of the angry guy going in there and striking a whip and dumping over tables in the temple? No. So when I'm wanting to go dump tables over and go show them who's boss, am I like Jesus, yes or no? No. <clears throat> makes me so unlike him. <clears throat> you know, I believe Jesus refused to use his anger on reason for most of the time. If somebody strikes me, I'm instant back. It's just natural, huh? But when they struck him, he struck not back. Somebody says something against me, I just want to say something back. Now nature in me draws me to react like I've been treated. But that's not like Christ. So, <clears throat> we need a coup d'etat. Didn't know I could speak French, amen? What does that mean? It means a mutiny. We need a revolution. We need to overthrow the current government of your life. <clears throat> Take your Bible. Turn to Psalm 37, verse 8. Am I looking at uh, Ruth? That's Ruth. Yes. yes. I got a 50-50 chance every time. <clears throat> Psalm 37, verse 8. <clears throat> First thing I want you to understand is it can be overthrown. It can be stopped. When you get anger started, you can stop it. Uh, Psalm 37, verse 8. <clears throat> All right. I'm told to stop being angry. Now, I can't stop from ever getting angry. But when I get angry, can I stop? Can I cease? Are you a Bible believer? So am I. Amen. Show you another one. Uh, Ephesians 4.31. Ephesians 4.31 now, Heidi. <clears throat> Ephesians 4.31. Okay. So all the things that are listed in Colossians, he lists again here in Ephesians, and he says, let it all be put away from you. Now, did your mom ever come into you and say, put away your toys, put away your books? She ever told you that? And did you ever get away with saying, I can't do it? Did she ever let you get away with that? No, when she told you to put them away, she expected you to put them away, didn't you? Didn't she? And when God says to put them away, we can do it too. Is that true? Or am I talking to children or am I talking to children? You know... We were talking yesterday, and Brother Jim was talking to me. Uh, can you tell that, that phrase there about uh, um, the deaf preacher was talking to the hearing preacher? or the, Anyway, what was the thing that you said that um, uh, the deaf, the guy, he, <clears throat> they both could speak, but he was saying, I minister to the deaf, and the hearing pastor yeah, said, I yeah, I, pre I minister to deaf people too. They don't listen to me at all, but... <laughs> <clears throat> Are you listening to me is my statement. <clears throat> Are you deaf? Now, we have to wisely learn how to wrestle it out. Go to Proverbs 29 and verse 8. Miss Dina, <clears throat> Proverbs 29 and verse 8. You can't just stop. You can't just cease. You can't just anymore. Can, you know, <laughs> I had a, <clears throat> uh, I had a, uh, a splinter about a half inch in my, I think it was my left hand. And uh, <clears throat> my older brother went, I'll get it out. 
And now, when I was growing up, we all grew up with knives in our pockets. So my brother goes, click, and he had his pocket knife out, and he put it in his hand like he was going to stab me. He says, let me have your hand. Mom! Now, I'm almost six years younger than my, my older brother, and I'm terrified. You know, I needed somebody who had a little needle, <laughs> not a four-inch blade knife, okay? So when you try to get anger out of you, you're going to have to use some wisdom. Let's hear it, Miss Dina. Okay, so what is, it takes a wise man to turn away wrath, to shut it down. And that's true in our lives. Maybe you need some counsel. Maybe you need somebody to tell you, you are angry and you need to stop. Now, that's the worst thing to do. But ultimately, you've got to go, Lord, give me wisdom to know how to handle my anger. Because everybody's got a different flavor of anger. And so I'm trying to be very general. I'm trying to give you some basic things here. The priority of me has to be dethroned, and it's got to be done carefully, wisely. Repent of the rule that anger has had over your life. This is kind of big. Normally, anger takes such control of us, you don't even notice. It's just... But if I read my Bible right, now that I'm saved, I am no longer a puppet of the devil. What does the Bible say about the, the, uh, the, the child of the devil, the person who's never been born again, it says, the loss of your father ye will do. So you're not free then, are you? But now that you're born again, I have been made free, and now I can choose to be obedient and yielded to the Holy Spirit of God. I can now, I can actually be in charge of my attitudes for the first time in my life. Go to Proverbs 16.32, Brother uh, Tony now. Proverbs 16.32. Okay, so I now am free. Now, it may be a wrestle, it may be tough, but I am free and I am responsible for my own anger. And if I get it conquered, I'm better than the guy who can conquer a city. Proverbs 25, 28 now, Yuming. 25:28 in English please I'm joking Proverbs 25:28 Wow when I don't have a grip on my own attitude and my my response to other people, I'm just going to be trampled by every demonic thought and every demonic impulse that pushes on me. The danger, go to Ecclesiastes 7.9, Josiah. Ecclesiastes 7.9, the danger is when we let anger be at home in your heart. Ecclesiastes 7.9. <clears throat> Okay, get that word resteth, all right? Uh, anger is much like a demon. Anger runs about looking for some place to call home. And when you open the door and you start to get angry, and then anger comes, I'm not sure if I should do this or not, and goes, wow, this is nice. Oh, I'm just going to relax here. I'm going to make this my place of rest in Craig's heart. 
and in his attitudes. When anger is at rest in my life, is that a good thing? No. Because it actually, that shows I'm a fool. That I let anger have the throne of my life. And it's at rest telling me how to respond. No angry spirit should be the reason how I respond to somebody, no matter what they do to me. Is that a Christian concept? So I, I, if there's anger in my life and I've responded wrong and I've said wrong and I've acted wrong and I've had my, how do you do your angry face? How do you do anger? And, you should see him. Somebody needs to take a picture of that. It is, that's a perfect representation of anger. But if I have done that, I need to realize I've got to get it out of charge. I've got to repent of letting anger be on the throne. Are you with me? And then I need to prioritize the hurts of my enemies over my own hurt. See, Jesus took it further than Proverbs did. Wow, Matthew 5, 43, uh, Juliet, and 44. Matthew 5, 43, and 44. Now, the, 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 the foundation of that concept is that the Christian, just like Christ, has compassion, speaking back to your C word this morning, has compassion on somebody who is provoking you and you care about the spirit behind them. You care about, they're probably hurting. You don't know what she said about me. You don't know what she's going through. You don't know what the person who has provoked you. So that's why Jesus said, bless them. Pray for them, because they're going through something you don't know about. So the fact is, I need to prioritize their hurts above my own. Is that easy? Come on, stay with me. How am I going to dethrone the priority of me? Think of others. Think of, I have no idea what they're going through. They said something that was very hurtful, something very hateful. Bless them that hate you. Because you now are prioritizing their hurt over your own. When you get to that place, call me because you have arrived. (laughs) Amen? Come on, nod your head. You know that that is hard. But that's the key. Let me rest your head. Do the opposite than you feel. Do the opposite. Even to the point of embarrassment where you say, I do not want to go and say I'm sorry to her. (laughs) You do it anyway. And passionately pray for your anger to be dethroned. Go to 1 Timothy 2.8. 1 Timothy 2.8. Oh, who's the next? Who's the next? Doc, go right ahead. Would you mind? Go ahead. 1 Timothy 2.8. Okay, men normally respond with hands that fight. And Paul says, I will that men lift up their hands holy without wrath and without, what's the second thing I forget? Without doubting. The doubting is in there saying, the doubting that, you know, that God's not in charge because I'm going to get to this point in a minute. When a person does things and you just you just give it to God and you just pray for your enemy and you just don't fight and you'd rather pray for him. When you do that, you're going to have to trust and the Lord's going to get them. And the Lord's going to work this out. So, you've got to pray, Lord, 
Help me dethrone anger, and I trust that you can. Listen, Luke 6.46. Luke 6.46, the next verse. Okay, so the the truth is, when you invite the Lord Jesus Christ to step in and guide you out of anger, guess what? You're going to disagree with the method that he tells you. Lord, I thought you were just going to wave a hand. I thought you were going to strike the place. I thought I was going to be slain in the spirit. I thought I was going to feel good about being free. No, whatever he asks you to do to be free, do it. Why call you me Lord, Lord, and then not do the things that I say? So if you ask him to come in and take over on that throne, instead of anger, he'll probably get you to do what you don't want to do. Because that's that's who he is. He's God. You've let anger be so in charge that you're comfortable with. you, You are terrified of letting the Lord be who he is. The Lord. So... And you'll bring it to the point of absolute defeat and humiliation. We're finished with this. Philippians chapter 2. Canista. you got three verses or four verses to read. Proverbs 2, 5, 6, 7, and 8. Did I say Proverbs? Philippians. Is that okay? Or if you don't, it's okay. Keep going down to verse 8. So the word obedient there is our key. Who asked him, who told him to go to the cross? Was it the Romans? It was his heavenly father. What did it mean for Jesus, who was God, to go to the cross? It meant humiliation. And when we start to let God be in charge of our life, I guarantee you, he will humble you. But that's okay. (laughs) That's what it means when he's in charge. You'll, You'll know that Jesus is not on the throne when you will let nobody cross you, when you'll let nobody humiliate you, when you'll let nobody disrespect you. But when somebody can disrespect and humiliate and embarrass you, make fun of you, and you pray for them and you love them, and you serve them anyway, then you got a new person on the throne. Amen? Father, we covered some neat things tonight. 
I think anger is one of those core attitudes that we just, every time we touch it, it just goes in every direction. And, and we, we're afraid of, of trying to grab it and defeat it. But tonight, Lord, I pray we'd realize we can. It's not so easy. With your help. And with just a remi- constant reminder of Scripture, and with the power that's in just one name, we can cease. We can let not the sun go down upon our wrath. And we can be like Jesus. I pray that, Lord, we would dread the effect of anger and that we would dethrone the importance of us so that anger doesn't have a foothold, so anger doesn't have authority, doesn't have any power in our life. I pray that we would want it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.